0: Let's pray as we then look at Jesus's prayer here. God, thank you that the Holy Spirit has decided it beneficial for all of us to be a fly on the wall, to have a front row seat to Jesus's heart cry of this dedicated prayer with the last night of his life hanging in the balance. He could have prayed for anything, and yet he prays for us. Uh, Thank you, God, that. Such love is showered all over us. Help us to be amazed by it. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So John 17. And it is. It is Jesus' prayer. And it is a, a prayer that comes right after this intimate time with his twelve. Well, they're 11 now. As they gather up around that Passover Seder dinner. And he's able to have a discourse teaching with them. That is intimate. Expansive. Mind-blowing, plain-speaking at times, wonderful, radical. He then heads out from that with his last chance to have a dedicated time before the Lord in supplication prayer. Now, think of if, if this were your life and if you could imagine this. Tonight's your last night on earth. But you do have one opportunity. You have an opportunity to have a dedicated time of prayer. It's so all you really have opportunity for. What is it that you would pray for? I, I know for me, right, right away, it would you know, be certain family members, uh, for, for salvation, for, for many. I think even like, uh, how am I doing, by the way, God? Uh, if this is really my last night. A, there would be a lot of that that would have gone on. But it reveals a lot about your heart how you answer that but it also reveals a lot about jesus's heart and of course because of the extension god's heart as we see this and of all the things for which jesus prays he prays for his 12 and then he prays for everyone sitting here for those that would be in alignment with his mission and and for jesus You know, he's not praying for his own salvation, of course, at this moment. He's praying for what his own sacrifice is going to affect for the world. He's praying for the greatest reclamation mission ever to be launched on planet Earth. And as he prays for this effectiveness of what he does to reach as many as possible, as firmly as possible and securely as possible. Well, then, I don't know. I imagine what would... What would he pray for so that his guys would be so effective? I mean, maybe he could pray for miraculous powers. Maybe for them to have a great grasp of of all languages because they're going to go everywhere into all nations. Maybe biblical insight. So they'd be able to connect the dots and be deeply based in truth as they bring the plan of God to to the many. Maybe a a better grasp of grace so that not only are they awash in gratitude, but they are also launched with a power that exceeds any other power or maybe just a perseverance in the face of rejection after rejection after rejection, because certainly they're going to have a lot of that or maybe just a, a winsome ability to win friends and influence people as they go. But here's what's amazing. The one thing that he asks for before God, for his guys and for us is holiness, holiness. And the title of the sermon today is holy, 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 because we're going to look at what is holy, why holy and how holy. What is holiness? Why holiness? And how how it is that we can run after holiness. Now, as I read this passage, you're going to hear the word sanctify a lot in this passage. And while it doesn't sound on the surface as an English translation like the exact same word as holy, in the original language it is. Nerdy sidebar. Those of you who need to, I don't know, clean up your notes that don't want the nerdy, go ahead and do that now. Uh, there are no scores to check, but anyway, nonetheless, nerdy sidebar, the Greek word for holy is hagias. and the Greek word for sanctify is hagiazo, so you can hear even how similar the words are. We, we get the word for like a, a biography of a saint as a hagiography. It comes into the English language. Not many of you use that word on an everyday basis, of, of course, but nonetheless... In the original language, holy and sanctified. They, they are the same idea here. So when he says this, there's a repetition in his words as captured by the Holy Spirit in the original language of Greek of hagias, hagias, hagiadzo, hagiadzo, hagiadzo that winds its way through this prayer. We don't hear it as well. Thus the nerdy sidebar. Back to our regu- regularly scheduled sermon. Alright. John 17 verse 6. I have revealed to you. I have revealed to those whom you gave me out of the world. I'm sorry. I have revealed you to those you have have that you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they, they're still in the world and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world, any more than I'm of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, or in the ESV, for their sake, I sanctify myself. Why? That they too may be truly sanctified. And so as we take a deeper look, first of all, what is holiness? The, the, the word, of course, is, is here in this passage with, with Holy Father, with the holy ones of God that are here, and with the ones that are holified or sanctified by the work of God and, and by the work of Jesus in their lives. Now, it's, it's easy to think of, of holy and maybe not the most attractive light. You may think of someone who's, who's holy as a kind of, I don't know, kind of beyond accessibility that uh, you know, perhaps they are distinguished by certain clothing or, or certain peculiarities of themselves. Or maybe even in the Old Testament, you could think of, of holiness as that which was untouchable. And to come near it would have been perhaps destruction. Think of 2 Samuel 6. There's a story there where the most holy of all things, the Ark of the Covenant, in which were the Ten Commandments. The Ark of the Covenant was being brought back from from enemy territory. And as it was coming back, it was, well, uh, unfortunately on a cart, which it shouldn't have been. But as the cart was making its way back, the cart became unsteady. The Ark was about to fall over and a well-meaning man named Uzzah reached up to touch the Ark of the Covenant. And you've all seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. So (laughs) you don't mess with the Ark of the Covenant. It is too holy to go anywhere near. Now, we we also get a a good view of the holy through Jesus. I mean, certainly if, if one is holy it is Jesus. And yet, and yet he says here, I'm to sanctify myself. Is, is Jesus not not yet fully holy? Does that somehow imply that Jesus is not all the way there yet? I mean, over and over again, Scripture says that, that, um, that he's, he's perfect. As a matter of fact, he even asks in John, who of you can even accuse me of sin? Jesus is pure. Jesus is wonderful. But the idea of sanctification is is not just the idea of purity or cleanliness or kind of different. It is the idea of being set apart for something epic because it is something of God. And as Jesus prays for these guys, he is praying for them to be distinguished, set apart, not just to sit around and be pure, but set apart to be sent, set apart for an epic battle, an epic adventure, an epic purpose, and that is to change the entire world in the name of Jesus. If you, if you think about people who have been set apart for a special purpose, I, I know that when I was in college, I was on the rowing team and we would go to, spring, uh, we would go to winter break down in Florida uh, to, to have a training camp. And I remember during that training camp, There was one among us who was identified as a particularly talented rower. And this guy was then kind of pulled out from the rest of us. And he then began Olympic training. And it was pretty, you know, he didn't come to the bar with us anymore. He didn't eat the meals that we ate anymore. He didn't kind of have the downtime that we had. There was no binge watching of shows, but you did have your VHS tape of of caddyshack that you watched over and over and over again in 1983 he didn't do that anymore with a what what has gotten into him he had been set apart for something so much more epic than the rest of us could even appreciate he was kind of over there with the olympians the food he ate the Time that he slept. Everything that he did was different. And it's not that he would have perhaps regarded all of those things as necessarily bad. Just bad for him. Because he had something that he was about that was well beyond what we could even begin to comprehend. You know, it's interesting, too, when someone is set apart like that. It's easy, especially the more set apart someone becomes. It's easy to regard them perhaps either with fear or envy or, or even anger, but, but definitely misunderstood because they become very different in cases. You know, what, one other maybe uh, easier thing to kind of picture is, I remember in the, in the 1970s when heavyweight boxers had a big match coming up, right? And in the 70s, oh my goodness, boxing was everything. And Muhammad Ali, man, to him, get ready for Foreman or Norton or Frazier, you know what he had? To, he, he, he went to the Poconos. He got away from the norm and he sanctified himself. He set himself apart. He ate different. He exercised different. He lived different. No women during that time was, was also part of his kind of credo. Everything he did was absolutely sanctified. Why? Because he's going to defend the heavyweight title of the world. That's no small thing. He had an epic purpose that was driving him. And it was easy for him to kind of look at those things as unnecessary in his life. Why? Because what was now necessary was so transcendently cool that my goodness, why wouldn't I rearrange? Because I've got something bigger. I've got a much bigger yes than that chocolate New York cheesecake <laughs> that, that used to be his favorite. Right now there's a bigger Yes. And it's a belt and a beautiful belt. And he wanted to make sure that that belt would still fit. But it's it's being completely immersed in something. And so when Jesus is praying for holiness for these guys, he's praying that they get that. That they get that they have been set apart of the peoples of the earth. They have been set apart for an epic adventure, an epic mission, an epic purpose. And again, for for them to now live lives completely differently... That wasn't a burden for them. That was the honor of honors. Who are we to have an epic life? And my goodness, did they? Did they ever? And so do you. As you sit here, it's very easy to have an aw shucks false humility about what Jesus did for you to be here right now. But you're here right now because you've been set apart as holy in all of Hampton Roads please do not in some weird sense of either fleshly insecurity or false humility downgrade what Jesus died for you to be. You are sanctified. You are set apart. You are epic. And what you have that is before you is such a big yes that to rearrange your life To put your reputation in certain circles on the line, my goodness, it's just prudence. It just makes sense because what it is that you have before you is that significant. You matter. That's what happens when you're sanctified. You matter more than you ever could have dreamed possible. But why holiness? Why is Jesus? That's my second point. Why holiness? He could have prayed for anything for these guys. And, you know, he does pray for a lot of stuff for them. A lot of it, though, in terms of when they're going to now be most equipped for the mission comes down to, Father, sanctify them. And just to reinforce it, Holy Father, holify them, sanctify them. But why? Why, why holiness? Well, an encounter with the holy changes everything. When I first came face to face with a real sanctified Christian, a truly holy disciple of Jesus Christ, it shook me to the core. Other people I knew how to deal with. Other people I could do the little one-upmanship stuff. I was in my late 20s. I had a, what I thought a pretty good pedigree of, of education and training and background. And, and now was, I was on a path. A trajectory in the, in the corporate world that was taking me places. I kind of, you know, thought of myself as I'm kind of a big deal in a lot of the circles in which I ran. But then I ran into the holy. I ran into a holy man. And even though this sounds like an oxymoron, he was a bad man. <laughs> Just so humble. So secure. Who did he think he was? Oh, I drive an old car. Oh, I don't care about materialism. Oh, I got bigger purposes. He never said those things. But in my mind, he did. And I hated him for it. But that's what happens when you come in contact with the holy. You you can't deal with it. The the normal way that you deal with stuff in in an earthly way. You know, when Peter comes before Jesus and Jesus is able in Luke 5 to to say to this career fisherman, hey, why don't you try this? And suddenly he has the bumper crop, I don't know if you have a bumper crop, the bumper net of fish of his life. He suddenly realizes, whoa, this is a bad man. (laughs) Who am I in front of right now? Peter didn't have the same pride or insecurity necessarily that I had. He had a real estimation of what was in front of him. And he fell before Jesus and said, you got to get away from me. Get away from me. I'm a sinful man. Now he had the right idea, but maybe the the, the wrong direction about that. You got to get over here. I'm a sinful man. And praise God that Jesus did get over here for all of us. But it, here's the cool thing about about Peter is that it's, it's not too much longer that after the resurrection of Jesus, after Peter is sanctified by the Holy Spirit and by the sacrificial blood of Jesus, Peter becomes a bad man. You know, in Acts 5, I, I get goosebumps when I think about the before and after picture of Peter. All right, Peter, who was... So worried about fitting in with the world that as he's around that little charcoal fire, as Jesus is getting ready to go die for him, Peter's like, I don't know him. Uh, let me just fit in with the rest of you. I don't know him. That guy. Uh, let me curse. Let me curse about him and call down curses about about me, even myself. I mean, that that's the before picture after sanctified. It's it's kind of, you know, that scene in Return of the Jedi when Luke comes up to, to Jabba the Hutt's palace. And it's like, dun, dun, dun. you know, he gets like the epic music as he comes up and that and all of a sudden the, the big iron gate opens. He comes through the cave. He walks in. He's got that kind of sweet black hoodie or maybe cape. But anyway, he, he comes in with that and the, the two pig guards are like ready to stop him. And, and he's like, oh, no, you don't. And they're like, oh, and they're throwing back. And then the little courtier for Jabba the says, oh, he won't talk to you. Oh, yes, he needs to talk to me. Yes, he needs to talk to you. And, and, and he comes in. like That's Peter in Acts 5. As you watch across, it says that as they met in Solomon's colonnade, everyone was afraid to go near them. But yet all the disciples were together and celebrating with joy. But one thing they did do is they would get kind of near Solomon's colonnade, and just want to kind of get within. Sunshot of Peter. Why? Because if his shadow just passed over them. They'd be healed. By the power of God. That's a bad man. That's sanctified. That's like a boss. Like walking through the world. Knowing that you have been set apart. For something epic. As he goes through. And, and epic it was. But you know even as. As Jesus prays for him here. Hey they're, they're set apart God. Please protect them. You know, Peter went for it. He and his wife went off to Babylon, according to church history. They established amazing church outposts as far away as Babylon. And then as things heated up with Nero and Rome in the mid-60s, he made his way into the teeth of the beast in Rome. And there in Rome, Nero in his uh, frantic persecution of the saints brings forth Peter But before doing so, puts him into one of the worst of all prisons. Uh, And for nine months, he was cast into this horrible dungeon called Mamertine. It was absolute darkness where, according to church history, he endured monstrous torture while all the while manacled to a post. In spite of the suffering, however, while he was there, he converted his jailers who became famous their names are Procesus and Martianus and 47 others. That's a bad man. That's a holy man. That's an epic adventure that he was on. And then as he was led out to die, there he saw even his wife. Likewise, sentenced to crucifixion. He called to her, encouragingly, comfortingly, addressing her by name and saying, Remember the Lord. And in 67 AD, in Nero's circus, the place of persecution, he was persecuted to his death, having been crucified upside down. But Jesus prayed, protect him from evil. I did. He protected him from the greatest evil of all, compromise. He ended in glory. God was glorified. Jesus was glorified. But the world had no hold on a holy man. But now how holiness? And Jesus gives us some clues here. My third point, how holiness? Look at what it says here. Holy Father, protect them. Why? So that they may be one as we are one. Holy Father, protect them so that they may be one as we are one. It's not easy to be a countercultural nonconformist. That's what happens when you're holy. You're different, you're peculiar by definition. And even today, let's just take Christianity out of the picture. Anyone who is a countercultural nonconformist, it's interesting. Think about the people that come to mind. Maybe you can go back to high school and think of the stereotypes the goth, the grunge, skinhead, the Redskins fan. And you think, wow, what is up with those people? And how do they keep that up? Despite everything, they keep up with that nonconformity. They stick out in a crowd. They shock you with that foam finger. They disturb you. You may never understand or agree with them, but part of you still admires their countercultural resolve. And early Christians, well, they refused to conform to the ever pressuring world, but were they in fact non-conformists? Was that the secret of their strength for holiness? They actually were conformists. And so are all those groups that I just mentioned. They're just conformed to a different community. And so praise God that Christianity was never an individual sport. It is always meant to be. Community and a team sport. And as we are set apart, sanctified, holy, we are brought into a body of others who are just as peculiar, just as shocking, just as disturbing as you are. (laughs) We conform to a different norm, a different worldview, a different society. The early church conformed to Jesus and his kingdom. They conformed to A holy culture of selfless love, sexual purity, marital fidelity, stunning generosity, purposeful living, revolutionary seal, secure humility, undeserved persecution, and joy beyond understanding. But the world hates holiness, and the world hates holy saints. That's the promise, that's the anticipation, and when you're living it out, that's the experience to which you can confirm and testify. But nonetheless, the world needs the holy to disrupt the keep on keeping on. It needs to be sufficiently disruptive for, for someone to realize there's something about you. There's something about you that I cannot make sense of. And at some point, as First Peter says, they're going to ask you for the reason for the hope that you have. That point may come after the 17th time that you've invited them to ask you that, or it may just come to, depending on how it all works out. But this is an integral part of Jesus's mission, and thus He prays for it the way that He does on this last night that He has opportunity for you. This is not just for apostles, because in verse twenty, Jesus says, "Hey, just as I prayed for them, I'm praying for you." But He prays this for you as well. Why holy? Because there's no chance for an effectiveness for getting across the love of God unless you are disturbing, shocking difficult to understand so the people end up really needing to try to figure out what is behind all of this and for you to step aside and show them jesus there's three subpoints to how holiness <laughs> first absolute community second sanctify them how does it say here by the truth your word is truth psalm 119 verse 9 says how can a young man keep his way pure By living according to your word. Jesus told all of his disciples. If you hold. Hold to my teaching. Then you're going to know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Have your worldview, Have your sensibilities. Continually shaped by the word of God. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ. Carefully curated all of this. So that you can have access to it. Anytime you want. So that as the world is seeking to squeeze you into its mold, I love the um, the, the translation that says of, of Romans twelve two. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. It's going to happen, and it'll be relentless. Every explosion of media is there to help bring you back a little bit closer back into a worldview rather than a kingdom view back into alignment with your old way of living the way that everybody else around you is living and instead we get to be inoculated from all of that we get to bust out of, of that mold again every day that we open up the bible of god i love even thinking of that as i open up the bible of god the 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 crust or the 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 the, um, the mold of 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 the potter that is seeking to crush me back in again has no chance against the Holy Spirit inspired Word of God. Are you in your Bibles? It's, it's that resolution time of year, right? Well, let me give you a little juice for your revolu- res- resolution. My goodness, this is how Jesus says that all this epic stuff occurs. Stay in the Word of God. God sanctifies you. By this truth. And it takes you away from what would have otherwise been an entropy of keep on keeping on back towards a very small life that is in no way epic and is in every way normal, which makes it dangerous because you see it reinforced all around you at just such a time when you really need to stand out as the bright light of glorification of Jesus as one who has been made holy by God. And then finally, what's the, the the last way that we can be made holy? Well, Jesus says it right here at the at the very end of this prayer. He says in in uh, verse uh, what we've read so far, eighteen. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world for them for their sake. I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. Just reflect on that. Reflect that. Jesus made himself separated, made himself cut off, had to be sanctified in a very technical sense of that word, sanctified from all set apart. Why? So that you could be set apart for greatness. He was set apart from community. Jesus was set apart from all that he loved dearly. He basically is saying, I'm going to be cut off. I'm going to be cut off and you can pour out wrath into my heart. I'll take it all. I'll be completely separated and cast out so that we can be brought in. God, Jesus said, I'll be separated from you that they might be separated for you. That's no small honor that we have. Jesus looks at you, not only says you're worth it, but you're up for the challenge. You're up for the epic adventure. And as we sing, although you think we're going to close in this song, we're not. Unless the singers can really call an audible. Uh, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. Amen. Amen.